caring and selfish environment. I can be completely the opposite of that. I, I totally have the free will to do that, you know, and I think that can be really a kind of nice realization. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember Alan Watts saying once that his bringing back the teachings from the East was not an attempt to convert anyone, but rather he said that until you've compared your view with another, how do you even know that you agree with it? <laughs> right? It's just how things are. Let's at least consider an alternative and then say, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. I, I like the Judeo-Christian thing. I'm going to stick with it. That's very literal if you're an American. And even in that, like, now that you're mentioning Christianism, like, right here in, in Mexico, the view of Buddhism is, like, literally going to the forest, like, live there. Like, mm -hmm. that. that's what people think Buddhism is. Right. It's, it's really quite crazy how, like, not even, like, yeah, I, I, I understand the view, but they, they understand it from ignorance, like... Like, they don't completely go in. Like, they just superficially go like, yeah, Buddha did this. Okay. And yeah, or perhaps even do some basic discernment or investigation. Mm, precisely. Uh, I recall a time right before I left for Thailand to go on retreat. My parents chose dinner the night before my departure to tell me that they were scared that I was off to join a cult. <laughs> So uh, I enjoyed working through that one on the plane ride and the <laughs> retreat and a couple months afterward. <laughs> because people don't. People don't tend to do the kind of investigation that we're interested in, which to us at some point just begins to look like a basic checking something out. Just find out, hey, what's it about? What's it about? Let me not just draw my own conclusions. Let me go Google. Now, there's a generational thing in that, I think, as well, largely. Uh, the amount of times I've told my mother, she'll come to me with some question about how to do something on her computer. And I'll say, Mom, go to the computer, <laughs> type into the computer what you just said to me. <laughs> and there's your answer. Way better than I could give it to you. <laughs> Right. So there's a there's a generational thing there, I think, a lot of times. What I what I also enjoy about this issue of um, like experiencing different cultures and a bit um, uh, in 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 conjunction or putting together what Joel earlier said was uh, that you when you when you experience another culture and another language and stuff. You can so easily see how absolutely arbitrary all that stuff is, and that's what I, I really enjoyed when that when I saw it for the first time. I I really liked that. It was really mm. <laughs> yeah, just to see. Hey, look, I'm surrounded by thousands of people all doing things opposite to the way that I've been doing them my entire life. 
How cool is this? Yeah. Many benefits to travel. So I got here while while Joe was talking about impermanence, I would think. Like I dare to say like things changing and stuff. Like that's when I when I entered the call and I I love that talk. Because mm. while reading about Tibetan Buddhism the first thing that the first thing that practice detachment on attachment and well we can actually attach to something like we can actually grab something that we know for certain like the only thing that we know for certain is going to happen and that's impermanence like that's real like like that blowed my mind like there's a phrase that says we spend our whole lives learning how to live and well when the time comes to die and you really didn't learn to live but you didn't either live, learn to die so like when, why, why don't we learn to die because that's mm. the only thing that we can actually prepare for like that's for certain, like, I'm gonna die, and, well, let's get ready for it, man, like, like I, I love that work. I yeah, and it gets, uh, it's, it's trippy already, it gets <laughs> even trippier when you start to look at, well, hey, I'm kind of dying in every moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and you are already, in a way, you're already dead, because that's the only certain thing, as Rula said. You are gonna die. That means it practically has happened, and yet we're sitting here talking to each other. Wow. <laughs> well, and so then you then then you get into who who do you mean when you say who? Yeah, you're neither dead nor alive, right? It all gets very very trippy, especially when this stuff moves from the intellectual to the experienced. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Very cool. Yeah, I love that from, from Oh yeah. I, I actually had a, a moment on my walk today where where like just for a split second or some so I I was completely sober and I felt like I was tripping balls, man. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I love when that happens. I was at work the other day and it was like the whole time I was on no drugs, just like tripping like fucking crazy. Like I was thinking about dependent origination and all kinds of shit, like like explosions happening in my mind while I'm like pushing a dust mop in a hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because why not? <laughs> I'm sorry, who spoke? Like, I didn't see anyone, anyone talking. I think you can... Uh, it, was, it was me, Brandon. Yeah. So oh. on top of my screen, Rulaz, I have some extra circles for folks who are just joining us on audio. Yeah, yeah, I just saw. 
Like everyone's like, yeah. wow, no one's yeah. moving to your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where this group has progressed, just straight telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I had a question. Go ahead, Alex. So, I mean, I'm pretty fascinated by all those experiences too. Like, that, that was me yesterday. I was tripping balls just walking outside, and it was after a meditation practice of noticing um, everything in my experience as object. And um, I know, Dan, you and I talked. And we basically had decided that it's important to not get attached to those kinds of experiences also. But it also sounds like, I guess how I heard that is that it's not um, any phenomena, because right, you if you see it, it's phenomena. So how I heard that is that it's to be weary of, or to be mm, to be enjoyed to be enjoyed yeah yeah like you don't everything want to else. be attached to non-attachment either it's a really mm -hmm. tricky thing mm -hmm. yeah there's no rule regarding how phenomena should be regarded the and the whole teaching is in the not being attached that's all we need to watch for. We want to not make anything of those experiences. We certainly want to avoid the trap of trying to repeat them. Right. Because they're impermanent. That they meant this they're impermanent that. too. They're impermanent too. Yeah, yeah. It just goes and it comes and goes. And yeah, you can't, yeah, exactly. The non-attachment to that, you know, experience. That which well, you say how... We, well, they're impermanent, right? And we don't want to get attached to them, right? But at the same time, Dan, you said that it's, it gets really trippy when it goes into the experiential level. It can. So, which is what happened for me yesterday. So when you're in that experiential level mm. of integrating some of these experiences, is it ever the case that some of these experiences don't actually like are not impermanent? Is there an aspect to the experiential aspect of going into these experiences that become, um, that more just become uh, a part of your natural experience? Well, I think Brandon might have an answer for you that he shared earlier on. Okay. In the form of a question. Do you remember uh, what I'm... Well, basic, basically, yeah, it's like, um, ask yourself if impermanence is impermanent. And then, you know, follow your mind down that rabbit hole for, you know, seven hours and <laughs> you'll get <nowhere. laughs> I was I was thinking of a simple question that you asked, Brandon, which was just show me something that's permanent. That was how you phrased yeah, it. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. I, it's the same yeah. exact thing, however way you say it. You're right. You're just chasing a carrot <laughs> at that point. And and Alex, I mean you you just you just asked like you ask about asked about something on the experiential level that becomes permanent so that even already kind of as answers itself because even if it were 
that you that that something changed that you maybe could carry with yourself to your grave then even if that were the case it started at some point and there was a before so even that is not not technically permanent even if you were to experience it like that for the rest of your life mm. Then what is the point in then like talking about the experiential aspect of these conditions if we're meant exactly. to just if we're meant to just let them pass away? It it seems as there there's there's just as much a revere for these experiential um, insights as there is for letting them go and not being attached for them. I think that you can understand it in the sense of um, you can examine the experience and investigate the experience to see what could be learned from the experience in terms of maybe matching concepts with your experience. Um, but beyond that, holding on to that experience is something you want in the future of um, a certain state that you want or a certain experience um, is is um, that's when it gets into the unwholesome. Um, Doing the As investigation general, there and then um, letting that be what it was yeah. and moving on. As a general rule, if you get attached to something awesome, it kind of reduces the chance that you're actually going to have it in the future as easily. Yeah, I've noticed that for sure. <laughs> right. but and, and so that's not to say that we can't experience it as awesome. Exactly. Yeah, there's right? no Do you problem with that. Right, you hear that, Alex? So is awesome is fine. Yeah. So we can enjoy the show. In fact, that's recommended. And it's it's then about investigating that subtle difference between enjoying the hell out of it and being attached to it. Mm. Of course, the way we're trained, those two very often come together. I guess it's almost automatic. It's socially, right. culturally, biologically, it's almost an automatic grab hold on to um and uh and then of course in certain uh in certain um um like religious schools one would even attribute a lot of meaning like extra meaning to it as well mm -hmm. which is really just a distraction all that all that meaning that's that's been hung on to it like um is decoration um yep. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a little stuck because ways, the meaning there's separate from the experience though too. It like it creates part of what the experience is. It's a really tricky thing, but you, it, it, there is benefit in like not trying to attach a bunch of extraneous meaning if you can help it. Well, the, the meaning yeah, is, is is illusory anyway, right? The meaning is self is that ego generated and then is interpreted often through that lens of culture and or even other religions that someone um, may have been exposed to. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One other rather practical thing is also because you asked the question of why, why are we even talking about it? Uh, that's one way of getting it out of your system, so to say there. I mean, I mean, you know, there's some some things where you're just like, man, I got to tell someone about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a social connection that we are often driven to to experience as well. And this in itself 
could be seen as a pleasant experience that not too much should be attached to either. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Every, every also, moment is that chance. But there yeah, must but- be there, there must be an abiding experiential experience to having fully accepted oneself have fully ha- having fully loved your your dark sides subtractive you know? yes yes yeah, subtractive right but what i'm saying is in that subtraction there has got to be i'm not got to be but i'm even in my own experience there's more relief there's more ease in my day to day now than there was years ago yeah and that's the absence of things Right. Rather than an addition of things. Right. Oh, math. I think what I'm I think what I'm getting at is is that like my argument is that there is an actual experience that lingers in the absence of all of those things that we're letting go of. You kind of have new habits, right? You're giving up the old habits for a new habit and the new habit is gives you a different experience of the world. So right. if that's what, if that's what you mean by, you know, hanging around, I think that would make sense. Right. Cause you know, unless you get rid of that habit, it's going to continue. Right. And part of this habit mm-hmm. could be, um, freedom from the hindrances that had you <laughs> wanting states or going between states or like Dan is right. saying, freedom from the things that we're trying to add, but now you can just let go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that is, um, I guess a state you could call it is, um, quite secluded from hindrances is absence mm. of hindrances. Yeah. yeah. I mm. mean, like by mm. comparison, that has got to be like absolute, I don't know, freedom. I mean, it's got to be absolute <laughs> relief. That's got to be. Yeah. A, relief <laughs> is a great word. Relief is a great experiential word level. It. That's got to be something, uh, yeah. experiential. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, Dag, to your point, yeah, I think that's that is why we talk about it to get it out of our system. But I think another big part of it is because we all want that relief. We all want that freedom. Mm-hmm. And cool. it's we're going to keep wanting that freedom, even in practicing not wanting. <laughs> well, and, and Domrato would tell you that that's a wholesome thing to want. If we're going to want anything, let's want freedom. Exactly. Exactly. I I can totally get you, Alex. Uh, I think because I'm also in, at least in my mind, it's also like, at least the way that those those who have walked before us and that we listen to talk, it, it at least suggests that there is some kind of significant difference in in experience. Uh, and I mean, to a certain degree, we can also verify that already for ourselves. And yet, it's yet yet nothing in a way really changes. It's I I, I couldn't answer this myself, yeah. but because we're moving, the we're moving. Thing. Yeah, by by a process of subtraction, we're moving toward mm. the ordinary. Uh, Dan and Rick, are you, uh, uh, is it Rick? Mm-hmm. You you brought up about the meaning, and that it's good to I don't I forgot who said that exactly, but you commented on it. 
but the um, uh, I mean, we, I think as a human, I mean, we naturally do meaning. And if you're going to brighten the mind, like Domerado says, you have to change the meaning of the actual inputs you have. Correct. I mean, so how do you eliminate that and still have good results, I guess, with, you know, because the brightening of the mind involves changing the meaning of how you're looking at whatever the situation is at that moment. You know? If we were to exchange the word meaning for view, would that be comfortable for you, Christopher? Uh, yeah, but it, it's almost like a synonym at that point. You know I mean? It could um, be, and yeah, I mean, clearly we're in semantics here, right? The reason yeah. I suggest view is because it's, it's on that list of eight. And um, where meaning has that quality of it being something fabricated, view, right, right. right has, has that more, we're talking about perspective, a way of seeing things. Well, right. that, is a, that, that is something that Damarado brought up that it's like a subtle point, I think, for most people. It was for me, but really important is that, you know, when he talks about, you know, I think he's had several comments and a lot of the things I've listened to about positive thinking. And most people take that as, OK, I am feeling wonderful today or tomorrow I'm going to do this. But yeah. his whole thing is to take what's happening right this second yeah. sort of reframe it or add meaning yeah. to the thing happening right now it's not something in the future it's not something in the past you're not reworking stuff you're dealing with this moment which yeah. kind of lit a light bulb in my head I mean. mm. yeah and a whole other side of what we're doing here is we're kind of open sourcing our investigations <laughs> right so that alex you bring this this big juicy question and we all chew on it for a while together it's wonderful yeah i have a question uh, you know we're talking about grasping and trying to hold on to uh these experiences and that made me think of the jhanas i think i was listening to robert you did a talk with damarado about uh jhana i think just recently so yeah um one thing I noticed that Domerato says is that, you know, he, he says, well, you've been in and out of the jhanas while I've been talking to you. But then when I hmm. read about jhanas, like the first, you know, or at least first jhana, not multiple jhanas, but the first jhana, he says, you've been in and out of first jhana. But when I read about the first jhana in a lot of books, it seems like that's a pretty intense experience, like a Kundalini type of thing. Hmm. And I yeah. can tell you, I have not had that. So hmm. I, mean, yeah. I was wondering what, what, what comments people have on that. Um, well, uh, Daniel Ingram in a book called Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha introduces a concept of light and hard jhana. So he says you can have like a very mild version of the jhana, just sort of coloring the, your view the way you perceive. And then you can have like the full the full thing, which would be, he calls a hard jhana. And then that would be like the more um, Paok Sayadaw, I think, is like definition of jhana, which would, which is like the really like it's it's very um it's very strict and probably similar to what you were reading and that that's like yeah that's much more of a sort of a difficult difficult state to get into it takes more skill than the light jhanas yeah i do agree with what Domerado says that the at least you know early like smaller kind of flips of jhana are here because jhana are just ways of 
I mean, perceiving in a sense, they're just a loss of certain fabrications that, you know, we like to think are important or like fun to see happen or feel significant or have meaning behind them. I mean, like you're just dropping away fabrications until you get to neurodesamapati. And, you know, at that point, you know, you got there, whatever, but uh, all along the way, like you're running into these different perceptual abilities. Like you can, you know, sometimes focus with your vision. And if you focus long enough on one thing, you can notice it go from, you know, I'm looking at the thing, then it's like almost like I'm connected to the thing, like the, the focus is really easy. And then you go to two and then it gets to have like the nice Kundalini type stuff that uh, one person mentioned just a minute ago. Like you might have stronger energies. It's kind of like the arising and passing away stuff on the insight stages is kind of, it's a rough way to think about it, but these don't always happen when you're like in every meditation necessarily, even for people who are amazing. If you're just doing it short, a short, like if you focus on the corner of your laptop screen for five minutes, you know, you're probably going to, you know, for a blip of time at some point be in, you know, some of the jhanas. But this is so unnoticeable to the mind that hasn't already seen like the big macro version of it that shows some more of the, you know, yeah, flavors yeah, to it and how it works. You know, there are so people I, who can go from like boundless space to boundless consciousness in a sort of in a way with eyes open. There are even people who claim this and, you know, Daniel Ingram also talks about it too. Um, but like you can have aspects of the jhana there. Um, I see someone raise a question. No, no, you can you can continue. Just sometimes people put their hands up just to say, but keep keep going. Oh, okay, I didn't know that was a keep going. Sorry. Um, the <laughs> the basically the the idea is you know. Even in the visual field, you can be in certain jhanas and they, people even claim that there are formless jhanas. It can be so some in a certain way experienced, like you can feel the boundless space aspect of the actual jhana, like in its full form, like Rob was talking about. But you can feel that space complete, you're, you know, you're all space, quote unquote you can feel that even when you're living your daily life and there you could even switch to like boundless consciousness in a certain sense not like a complete full way but complete basically it's a really easy way to just you extend your sense of self to everything even if there's a trash can in front of you you could you know <laughs> everything might have that feeling of consciousness i am this i am that it's almost related to like uh, some of the people who do a bunch of psychedelics talk about like God consciousness and things like that. I mean, when you feel consciousness feel to be everywhere, that's, it's a oneness type experience feeling. So I don't know. I'm talking for a long time. So I'll let, I'll let other no, people it's fine. It's, ask it's, questions it's, or. No, this is all, all great, Brandon, to, to explain just a, a little further what the raised hand thing tends to mean in, in our little group here is just who, who wants to go next. Kind of okay cool click, well, click the I'll, little button I'll see right that so button is. yeah so if, if you have more please continue 
Oh, I mean, I have more. Um, if <laughs> nobody has anything else to say, <laughs> I'm just well, I'm used to talking for a long time about that stuff. So, uh, you can ask Rob. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. There, there, there are all of these different qualities. The jhana, I, the way I see it, is it's like some certain way that humans perceive things, and it's a good path for them to go to places of less fabrication. Or, mm -hmm. you know, what feels like it, you know, mm -hmm. what about an alien that has, you know, completely different neurochemistry and, you know, is made from some combination of elements. We don't even have an idea <laughs> would, um, you know, function like us, you know, do they experience the same jhanas? I, I don't know if we can really say that. Well, and in, indeed, between one human and the next. I, yeah. Can I we really ever confirm, right? Unless we get tons of people under MRI. Well, there are some people who say you can't confirm that the, the other people have even consciousness. And it's like, there, they aren't, there isn't much you can really confirm 100% in this <laughs> life. I'm sorry, guys. Yep. <laughs> but it's all the more fun that way sometimes. Right. Right. Go ahead, Joe. Uh... I, I felt like Christopher uh, tried to jump in a few times. You, do you want to go ahead, Christopher? Since it was your question. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to ask. So, is are the experiences a key to the path, or are they irrelevant? Because, like, so for example, with well, hypnosis, there's all kinds okay. of hypnotic phenomenon. Like, I can make you raise your arm or not feel things or whatever, but that's not critical to hypnosis. It's just phenomenon that happens. You know, you you know, thing these things actually happen when you're doing it so is this these these uh states uh, i guess that happen are they part of the past because it seems to me when i read about it it's like okay when you do this it's almost like a guidepost this is going to happen in the first john i'm going to have this i've even read where people have this intense feeling that's uncomfortable for like five months or whatever i've even read it about people that weren't in buddhism like with uh, the guy that did um uh, the Sedona method, uh, the guy who originated that, he went through a thing where he felt so much bliss or whatever for like four or five months that it got annoyed. Uh, you know, and I think Don Morato's spoken about that too, where you feel so good so long that you're like, okay, I've had enough of this. And then you go to the next level. But, but um, so is well, that like a signpost or is that what you're actually looking for? Release attachment, in my opinion, is once you've had enough of your cake, you kind of want to go take a sip of milk or something like you, you get to where it's like more normalized and then it does lead to a path of going to like being so let go of things to where the process can kind of naturally unfold more. It's not necessarily that there's a doer doing all of this either. Some, a lot of people claim, mm -hmm. uh, and that's murky territory to say whether there is or not, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, even having many of those type experiences or I could even you know look at my hand right now and you know there would be an element of feeling that but uh, I don't know if that answered things clearly this is all great for where I'm sitting Joe do you mind if I just add something go ahead which is just that I think it's important for us to remember that there are so many interpretations out there and we can pick up one book by a teacher who's highly respected and revered in one tradition, and they will have one interpretation of jhana. And then another book from another teacher who's highly respected and revered 
in another tradition, maybe even two teachers from the same tradition. You know, we're going to find differences in Ajahn Chah to Ajahn Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. Um, and when we consider the infinite variables that are possible within the mind, it's no small wonder. When we also consider that we're in the realm of words here, then it's going to be really difficult to finally pin down. We're certainly never going to get everyone to agree on exactly what jhana is. One, two, three or four, or some people go up to eight. Um, I like Damarato's representation of the whole thing, which is where he refers to that sutta where the Buddha recalled sitting under the rose apple tree as a youngster and recalling that first jhana is adequate for the investigation that's necessary for awakening. That's been the tidiest explanation that I've found, but Joe, go ahead. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I, I, I would agree agree with that, but I, that's also, I, I really am drawn to Thai forest tradition in general. Uh, so yeah, that, that's it's not just Amarado. That that's kind of a general sort of thing there. Ajahn Brahm has the same thing. He has a good explanation there. But I I, I wanted to <clears throat> uh, kind of get to what Christopher asked about it being are they like signposts? <clears throat> and I think uh, I think no would be my answer that they're not really signposts of of anything. It's just another opportunity to investigate. Uh, when when they do arise uh when these experiences do arise but it's not it's not a like hey i've made it to this point it means anything you know um because if you don't take that investigative ability that uh extra perceptual ability that comes as a result of the jhanas and use it for something uh wholesome then it's kind of pointless. As uh, Brandon was mentioning, you can stare at a corner in the computer and you'll probably have moments of first jhana, but like, what are you going to do with that? Uh, and then just the other quick thing I wanted to mention, if you're interested in like how to actually do it though, and you are still a little bit attached to the world and you're like, hey, I just really want to do this. Uh, the book, Right Concentration by uh, Leigh Brasington is like the best guide that I've ever seen uh, after like years of trying other stuff uh that book is just awesome at laying out like a practical sort of like hey this is how you're gonna do it to, um, i think that's where i saw the uh exclamation i think i think that's where i saw that exclamation oh okay oh about it's called the five right concentration is that right yeah the book is called right concentration a practical guide to the jhanas by uh leigh brasington okay yeah, I didn't finish the whole book because I, I, I didn't get past that first part there, <laughs> but uh, it seems pretty comprehensive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's good to just stop because, like, I mean, it's just like curiosity. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I have not gotten anywhere like deeper, and I'm, I'm just, it's just sort of like spiritual masturbation to read about like the sixth jhana for me. Like, it's just pointless, you know. <laughs> but it feels good. <laughs> are you nice. saying that because it's like become normal or because like no because i haven't because i haven't come anywhere you haven't gotten yeah I have, because okay. i haven't been anywhere close to it <laughs> yeah, yeah i i read about it's that freaky when it, life is like that 
all the time in a sense. Like, you don't know. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> Rick, what's well, weird about it? On that, raise your hand next. Well, I mean, if you, if you just imagine, like, going from, like, when you're a kid and you feel like you're in this collapsed ego, like, let's say around, like, 12 years old or something, you're, you don't know about this stuff, most people. Maybe some really gifted people are just lucky. I don't know how you want to say it. Um, like someone who's going to become an actual master, um, one day, like maybe, I don't know, they, they might have it, but every one of us probably had a time for a long time that we just felt like collapsed into ego. And then slowly as you go on the spiritual path, like you notice more things, like it changes the way that your life goes. And it's just another jump, like changing you to be able to perceive more. It's not that anything new was necessarily added. It's that you're just noticing aspects that were there, or at least that's how experience at least shows what it's doing or how we interpret it. So we, we just go off of what we've experienced and that's our best shot. And, uh, okay. As we see more things, we assume that it must've been there. Like it's in our memories that, you know, it was there. We didn't experience it, but you know, it seems to apply to everything now. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that that doesn't sound weird to me, but I wonder if you're speaking about a weirdness as a, as a bridge because it sounds as though what you're describing is ending up in that ordinariness. Does that sound accurate? Oh, like it's not, it's not a gigantic special thing anymore? Is that what you mean? Like it's, it's well, an ordinary it just, thing? Or? What you described didn't sound weird to me. No, I don't. I, oh, yeah. Well, that's good then, I guess. <laughs> it just, to me, it ha, it has, it's a bit weird sometimes. Um, okay. Just to know that, uh, you know, such a bis, big thing, like, seemed to always be under your nose the whole time. And then you're like, oh. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear that. That kind of hidden in plain sight kind of quality. Um. I have a question um, re regarding this sort of concept of um, awakening being hidden in plain sight. Mm. Do you think there's a lot of merit to uh, to not exerting very much effort at all to be mindful and to investigate and to sort of try to exert the minimum effort we can while still like trying to like notice this thing? Just because, like, if it's if it's so if it's so obvious, we sh we shouldn't have to exert effort. And I've heard Rupert Spira say, like, exert no effort, just be it. And uh, I was meditating yeah. that last night, and it was it was good. Like, it gladdened my mind because I, I I guess I had a lot of faith in what he was saying, and so it made me feel happy. But I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not sure. we each we each have to play with this, and it's kind of like a balancing, not too tight, not too loose. Was mm. the Buddhist teaching on right effort? Right. And sometimes also, it might need to... depends how much and uh, how much shit you have piled up on it during the course of your life, and how what uh, a bit like what the quality of that stuff is. It can. Yeah. I, I think it would. It could be that it's a lot, a lot harder for some and a lot easier for others to just be like, oh wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could also say that we have these habit patterns built up um, and the momentum is kind of heading that way. Um, so whenever, so not doing anything, not having any effort at all, we'll probably just continue with those old habits. 
Um, but we can just put in just enough right effort to change those habits and then be in that effortless state that you're talking about. And then mm-hmm. when maybe something else arises and the old habits come again, we can change that, change that again, use just the enough right effort to mm-hmm. not go by those old habits. Yeah, but right. There's a bit of foundation building in the beginning, like with anything, right? There's mm-hmm. got to be some foundation building. And that, as always in the beginning, may feel like quite a bit of effort as we pull ourselves from those old patterns. And it's, uh, I feel like it's necessary for us to kind of um, not use the, the idea of little effort too much as an excuse to, as you said, Parker, not do anything, right? It's sort of like we've got to get ourselves some inertia with some effort, some effort. And then eventually maybe it will come along to, oh, this doesn't feel like effort at all. But before a foundation is built, you know, you, yeah, it's hard to drift into it. It's not like you can drift into it. It's like, yeah, oh, I accidentally got there. Yeah. yeah. And here yeah, is like, the difficulty that's before the teacher who is addressing an audience. Because hmm. if that teacher prescribes one thing, and, and I would say that a... a a recommendation to build a foundation would be a safer prescription than the recommendation to do nothing. If you tell someone who's suffering with addiction to do nothing, well, they might just end up killing themselves. Good point. Right. However, on on the other hand, um, someone who perhaps has had little trauma in their past who got a a light brushing from the stick of conditioning might just be able to go and listen to someone like Rupert and see what he's speaking about. And there might be an opportunity for them to see something in that. So it's difficult for a teacher who's addressing an audience. Now, of course, Rupert is, is speaking within a very specific philosophy, the philosophy of Advaita Vedanta. Yeah, it's Which context has its own thing again. going on. Yeah. Yeah. A light brushing from the stick of conditioning? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anyone's gotten off that poetic, lightly? Poetic. No, no, but it's yeah, it's it's lovely. It's lovely. It's uh <laughs> it's worthy of airport sandwiches. Domrado said he had the story of Flicking a booger off. Oftentimes the booger is pretty sticky and you have to really flick it off. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I also heard him use the analogy of the clenched fist. Right. And he said uh, the instruction to just let go, right, when you've got arthritic joints here that have been curled, or, you know, like when you get off the roller coaster <laughs> and you've been gripping so tight. Yeah. That you can't open your hands up. When I used to uh, play drums as a teenager, I would play so hard, I would get so overexcited that following the show, I wouldn't be able to open my thumbs out away from my hands. So that's what happens when you grip tightly. And of course, yeah. when it comes to conditioning, like we've you, been gripping like tightly for not a few hours, but a few decades. Yeah. And so what Damarato said is, you know, the instruction to let go sometimes just ain't enough. What's usually needed is more a prizing open (laughs) of those fingers, or maybe a massaging, right? 
it's, it's up to each of us to like play like play with these things ourselves too that's that's the whole thing right is that like it's up to each of us to play with it but it's also good to have friends around you who can be like hey i noticed that your practice is getting a little bit unbalanced in this way because i i've met a lot of yoga people who sort of are in this sort of uh do nothing mentality and they really do nothing in life for a lot of years you know and it like it's extremely unbalanced on that end and then on the other end i have other friends who do like noting practice and they're wired like constantly and you know and you just you see this and and you notice it in yourself too where you're like i i've noticed different parts of my practice where i'm like oh like if i try this sort of practice it has this result and if i try this it sort of has this result you know so that's that's the one my 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 general take on it would be like if you if you think do nothing feels better or sounds better try it try doing nothing for a while and if doing nothing ends up giving you nothing and no progress maybe it's time to try something and then when you're trying something forever if it's not doing not if it's not progressing you you know try switching your approach uh, you can't really be fixed with a lot of these things. You have to be kind of adaptable. Um, like a kung fu of con- or kung fu of consciousness or something. You're like dancing around with all this stuff in your consciousness at the same time. It's it's not easy to to like grasp it. And the 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 rules of the game kind of switch up on you as your life goes on. You know, different psychological things come up or a hard experience and you're like wow maybe i wasn't as you know advanced on this as i thought or maybe there's something i was really missing you know who knows what's gonna happen mm. so you've got to just be adaptable and try to find what works and you know be be pay attention to maybe even track what your progress in like a journal and yeah. you can see if if may, hey maybe i'm making a mistake in the way i'm viewing things and doing my practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and we, what worked in the past is not necessarily going to always work in the future is is another uh, another aspect of yeah. that because uh-huh. you can really get stuck in that of like hey but this used to work for me at this point in time you know and uh, yeah and there's a unique predicament among our generation of practitioners which is the sheer number of teachings and practices to which we have access. Mm. Oh and each God. and every one yeah, of these teachings sword. says, this, this is, is the, the teaching. Yeah. Well, which yeah. the one is the the one? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's too many the ones. There's too many the ones. <laughs> now, many. now I, I considered at some point regarding all of this, well, hold on a minute. And I feel I probably shared this with at least one of you before. Hold on a minute. These teachings were probably given in climates where people were still sacrificing goats. <laughs> so someone rolls in with the Dharma and says, stop, <laughs> this is the way. But now we've got the way from Tibet and the way from Japan and the way from Thailand, the way from anywhere else who wants to throw their hat in the ring. Yeah. So what we, what we have to do is to, to see the fingers pointing at the moon. Okay, they're pointing from different places, but what's the commonality among these teachings? Where do they agree? How is it that the Dalai Lama and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa sat, Tatan Dharma, all smiles, 
loving it. Well, it's because they agree. So although downstream we might see differences in these teachings, upstream they're all pointed at that moon. Then I wanted to uh, uh, add on something before, before I go to what the metaphor of the clenched fist that you just that you gave a while back. I, I really like that because, uh, as everyone as probably knows, um, when you when you had something for a while that gave you this kind of cramps, of course, when you, even when you relax again, it'll hurt. At least that's how I experience it. At my mosque, when I when they when they had sorry, dog. Someone's got some TV sound going on in the background. Thanks. Okay. Go ahead, dog. So that that when you when you had when you have had a cramp and you even if you try release the muscles again, but they still go on hurting for a while still. And I really like that because that's been my experience yes. with like yes. this fist open is isn't necessarily a pleasant thing it can at some point points it can be like oh that's reducing but often it can be that it's it really hurts at least yeah. at first yeah it also may feel very unusual yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that really describes a lot of your experience doc yeah yeah and i'm sure that's i'm not alone in this but no. Anyway, uh, I got a head off. Uh, it was really cool seeing all you guys. Brandon, cool that you joined for the first time. And uh, have a good yeah, time. Yeah, nice talking. Great to see you, Doug. Great to see you. Bye-bye. See you, Doug. Now, Robert up top has a hand up. Yeah, I, I actually forgot during that what I was actually going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, well. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all this kind of open source goodness, right? Kind of like a shared train of thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really wonderful stuff. Mm. You know what? <clears throat> One thing that, that I wonder is like, you know, it, it tends to be in our group that we're all kind of like the same sort of age range, very like male. Like, I, I wonder. Very male. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it like leads us to like a certain uh, just general things like topics that we talk about or ways of being or like I don't know what what are our blind spots that happen because of this. I'm just curious if anybody maybe Olivia could tell us. It's true. Oh, she's not here. But yeah, I'm just here. happy you said we're all in the same age group. I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the real truth is no age. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Debbie like also sometimes, of course, she's uh, she's sat here by me right now, exhausted after a long day's work. No energy to tell us all of our shortcomings. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I think it's one of those things where the because the group is like the the ebb and flow is a bit dynamic. We'll just have to accept whatever perspectives happen to come in at this at the particular time. Yeah, of course, there's going to be uh, blind spots, you know, based on culture, gender, etc. But again, it's good for us also to just appreciate the the perspectives 
whether they're very male or, or not, um, you know, and just, okay, this is, this is what we're working with. These are the tools we happen to have today. You know, that's, that's, um, you know, that's why I see it. Yeah. And, and a lot of our conversation as I think you were, you were perhaps touching upon Brandon is that we're really going upstream with a lot of this stuff to where, yes, if we talk on the level of our conditioning, our history, there's certain relative truths, but when we get deep into that Dharma, I'm not sure it really matters all that much. Yeah, like we talked early about the, the cultural barriers, that mm. we think we know the truth and then we know someone that's living a completely other truth and they're even happier and it's like, wow, so crazy. Like, so like a male, I sometimes meet people, meet women, meet, meet trans women, and I'm like, wow, it's, it's like really, it's really a 180, sometimes 360 that I get all dizzy. Like it's really mm. like a whole new perspective, but until we meet that, till we have that moment, that instant of where our perspectives meet, like that's when we can get the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, I, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think it's, I think it can be helpful too, because, like, obviously, the truth or the Dhamma is like a, a shifting target, right? It's like right now, and it's right now again. So, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point, you know, that's that's the the hard thing with searching for truth is that you're like, there, there's no fixed truth because it's continuously happen again now you know so. which is why the only thing to do in the <laughs> end is call off the search. it's absolutely crazy i i mean there was one night i found myself in some ridiculously high conscious state and i was imagining what it'd be like to be you know a buddha cockroach and try to communicate the dharma to cockroaches with no tools other than cockroach communication that they naturally have like that's kind of like imagine what an alien race sees us as maybe that's the level of like immaturity they might see us having and able and the ability to perceive the dharma we don't know like right they definitely roll the windows up when they fly by look at these demo dudes they definitely roll the windows up and lock the doors as they fly by there's no question i don't want to go to earth i don't even want to go by earth and and with cockroaches, you don't you don't lock your doors because you're afraid they're gonna kill you. You lock their doors your doors because you're like I don't even want to be around that. <laughs> like who cares? <laughs> it's a little nasty. Um, we'll just drive by. <laughs> if that's a yeah. funny concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's anxious monkeys. Look at those anxious monkeys down there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I have a question for you guys, because I, I know that a lot of you talk to Domerado and I've, I've seen like videos of you guys talking to him. Like sometimes I, I, I feel like I should talk to him, but I don't feel like I, I know what to ask or where to direct the conversation. I've, I've uh, the exact same thing. And I and it's like I, I have this sort of I would feeling just where I'm call like, him I up should... and talk. Just yeah, talk but about it, whatever. He is. Uh, it will be a positive experience unless 
I, unless you're like meditating in some hardcore retreat for two hours, I would say it's a pretty good way to use two hours of your time. And yeah, Dharma is going to end up coming up as a topic. So yeah. like, I would encourage you, anyone here, if you haven't talked to him, to at least try it out. I mean, I came from a completely different flavor of Buddhism, but, you know, one of Dhammarado's teachings really unlocked a lot of things for me and gave me a path to a lot of progress. Do I agree with everything he says? Not 100%, but I think he's a great teacher. I would definitely recommend, you know, he's a great resource. You literally have a, a, a master of Buddhism out there who's going to talk to you for free. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty valuable thing. Imagine, you know, what think of all the people who were you know spiritual seekers for thousands of years who you know there was no one around and you've got someone on the internet who will talk to you for free like take advantage of that yeah and i like i i definitely i don't think it's preventing me from calling him it's just more i want to i want to take advantage of the, that time because i like i feel well, like it's so precious the time that i have oh, yeah and yeah of course of course but um I would say just do do some like journaling or something, and you know if any questions come up during your normal day that seem dharma related, you know you could make a little list and then pick some of the good ones and you know go into it with that. You know just do a little tracking of what your day's like. I mean I'm sure some part of the dharma is going to come into your daily life and you'll at least be a little curious. It might not be the top of top things, but if you track it long enough, I'm sure you'll run into some of them if you know you pay attention alternatively he'll love it if you just call him up and smile at him exactly that's why i was saying you just call like i, I wouldn't worry too he'll, he'll go with his topic questions on your next call or or go with whatever he wants to talk about he's going to talk about the dharma if you're not saying anything probably unless you just all are silently smiling for an hour straight which i he seems to like talking from what i've seen Sometimes I feel like I can't get a word in. Yeah, so sometimes I like I wait for him to take a drink of water so that way I can like get a word in. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for asking that, Joe. I had a I had a similar question. That's a good question. I don't have any questions come up because method seems so straightforward, right? It's like you just be happy now. You just and you just try to. You, tr- you know, if, 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 if you if you if you're resisting like resistance, then you have to sort of like go meta on it and sort of be clever. And it's this dynamic process. But at the same time, I feel like it is quite straightforward. Like so it's like sometimes like I've been like I haven't called him in like a week and a half because I just haven't known what to ask since I last called. <laughs> Try the I smiling thing. Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The last time Maybe I'll do I was tonight. like it was a brief question I made and it was really like. 45 minutes to call and it was like wow it's really <laughs> like wow 45 minutes and it was two weeks earlier and like i don't know like i can see like my practice is it's been good even from that because i don't i don't have any questions from that doubt now that brandon told you like just talk to him like i think that would be fun <laughs> I, I sometimes don't call him. I haven't called him for like three or four weeks because it just seems synchronicity wise. Every video I listen to is answering the question I had. But <laughs> I, uh, I, if I have a question, a lot of times the questions you were asking Joe and Brandon mentioned it, I'll listen to something and then a question will pop up while I'm listening and I'll just jot that down for the next time I talk to him. Uh, but 
you know, it, it's like you said, uh, Rulez, the, you know, you could ask one question and that can go for an hour and 45 minutes. So I have a list of about 15 questions, but I mean, I know I'm not going to give them all in one shot. You know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta kind of ease them in, but you know, I, I listen to those recordings every morning when I walk my dog and it's, I mean, that's, it's such a great resource to have people like, it's, it's, think about a hundred years ago or even 50 years ago there's nothing like that i mean even people that did audio tapes or whatever there's nothing where you're like hearing things where people are asking real questions and you're hearing real answers right there i mean you would have usually had to yeah, yeah, yeah or, travel or, to thailand and ordain right right or or it would be like a tape seminar or something that somebody happened to like record or something that's the only way you can yeah, it's it's incredible value. Yeah, yeah. And there's a kind of osmosis thing that occurs as well, right? And we're all getting a good taste of it right now. Just hanging out is enough. Yeah. And I know Damarato loves it. Win-win. Yeah. Um. What, what do you guys do aside from like Damarato's um, technique? Because one of the questions that I had for him was once I've brightened the mind and I'm, you know, like happy and awakened and stuff like what do I do then? And he and he sort of said, well, you clearly haven't brightened the mind enough if you are still thinking about what do I do then? So like, ah. you it, right? <laughs> but I was wondering uh, if you guys if you guys do any other practices that maybe help you become better at brightening or or just just any other approaches that you like to integrate? Because like, there's a, like, wide, a wide world of practices after all. Right? The mother would different. just say to you that, to enjoy. Like, enjoy, man. Like, yeah, writing of, like, <laughs> enjoy the experience of of whatever is going on at the moment. Like, like you're meditating, well, enjoy meditation. Whatever mm -hmm. you're doing, enjoy that. And, like, this comes from the same... Ah, attachment and desire of wanting wanting something more like like yeah i know i'm sitting yeah, right here yeah. but i want something more like i want to to feel like christopher told us earlier like i want to feel this jana like boom exploding something <laughs> yeah like, yeah like that still is a desire so like just enjoy it's like the this, moment. it's like a it's like an enlightenment treadmill but it's still <laughs> like a treadmill right you just you <laughs> want the next like the next biggest awakening so, so I take it, as you said, well, as I take it into whatever I've decided is a part of my daily routine, whether it's teaching or eating or whatever, and I, and I, um, I use it as uh, sort of like, um, like back to view again, Dan, like it's sort of a view, it's a view of seeing it and, um, yeah, I don't think about doing anything extra special. It's the super mundane, right? Yeah. It's back to the super mundane. You, you, you continue to live your life, but now with this sort of gladdened um, mind or brightened mind, without these assumptions of, okay, I'm going into, I'm going to call this student, um, and oh, okay, here's what I'm concerned about or worried about. No, it's like okay. Each time is like a new introduction. How are you doing today? What have you been doing today? And <clears throat> and being very receptive. And with that kind of super mundane, brightened up mind, 
you know, I'm, I'm able to listen very, very carefully to what they're saying because I'm not in the way anymore. Or if I'm eating lunch, you know, my expectations or other thoughts aren't intruding and I'm able to really enjoy whatever it is that I happen to be, you know, chewing on. So I guess that's that's what my my take on it is, is about how each of these sort of mundane experiences um, become really enjoyable because of that, rather than it's like going, okay, well, what's, where's the next planet I'm going to rocket to from this glad in mind? Mm. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, I was just going to say, uh, like, just give my personal practice what I'm working on like a lot for myself is uh, loving kindness practice because nice. I tend to be, uh, I have an aversive sort of personality from training. And uh, I think it's, I think it's helpful. I think that uh, it, it's been very helpful in my life. It's been really transformative uh, doing sort of loving kindness practice. Uh, and then the other practice that I, I tend to do is, uh, exploring uh difficult emotions when i have this sort of mind state yeah, that he's yeah. talking about uh if it feels really solid and uh like i, I mean I, I it's not like i do this all the time but like it can be useful if you have problems with anger or something like that uh like whatever the emotion is that you struggle with um when you do get that sort of uh stability um sort of this jonic bliss a little bit to investigate yeah, yeah like, investigate. Stable, like yeah a if there's a little bit of stability I, I find that investigating that uh can be fine and i don't think damarado would have a problem with that because i think i asked him about this and uh it, it i mean it, there's tons of sutras that talk about investigating the skandhas and seeing them as empty of self you know and uh shifting your investigation to the uh, emotions, which tend to be a sticking point for a lot of people in the West, uh, can be helpful, I found in my own personal practice in sort of, I, I don't, like, I just, I don't know what it is, what's changed, but I just, I don't have explosive anger anymore. It just doesn't, um, it, anger's still there, but it's not explosive anymore. Um, you know, and that's been really transformative. So I don't know exactly what it is that has shifted it, um, but yeah, and then when things just get too overwhelming and life is too much, then uh, just the, the body, like just coming back to investigating the body and uh, not just the external body, but in, inside as well. Uh, so that's my practice right that's now. That's cool. That's that's really similar to my approach, actually. Um, there There's was a question I asked Damarato once, which was, um, wh what do you think about like suppressing our emotions to feel good now? versus like allowing negative emotions to be there, but just like fully feeling into them. And I think that sounds kind of like what you were describing with the investigating the negative mind state and sort of allowing yourself to feel that and feel the like, for me, it's like anxiety sometimes comes up in my meditations, but I'll focus on it. And, um, and um, in a way it's sort of like, I mean, I don't want to say anything's higher or lower, but sometimes it feels like kind of like a higher order of gladdening where I'm not just blocking myself from feeling you know the negative that reframe it i'm actually allowing myself to go deeply into it and it, and it's quite healing i feel like for me and um 
That sounds sounds like what you were doing, or it sounds similar at least. Yeah, embracing, like embracing. That? Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. Embracing your emotions, you know. And I mean, this is. I I come from like uh, Plum Village tradition, and Technohan loves talking about this, you know, and like embracing whatever your emotion is, just taking taking it in with loving kindness, uh, and allowing it to transform and seeing that transformation. It's a beautiful process, you know. Every time it happens, it's like a miracle, you know. And it takes some right effort too. It, and this is a thing that can get lost with sort of the Vipassana sort of noting practice I find is that like, it can be a little bit like you note that you're depressed and then you keep noting that you're depressed and you keep noting that you're depressed and you don't yeah, really, yeah. and you don't really change. I mean, I, I, I say this out of experience, I've done it, you know, and it, it, it does change eventually. There is that factor that if you do it for like eight hours, it, it does change. But um, yeah, it's a little bit yeah. it's a little bit easier. Uh, and depending on your personality type, uh, I, I, I think it's extremely beneficial. It's it's wow. really transformed my life, honestly. We have, we have a really similar practice. The body scanning, the noting, the feeling, the emotions and then the Demerata thing. That's like my num. That's like you just listed like the top four practices I've done more than any others. And that was like your practices. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Anyone else, or or do you just do Damaratta's stuff? Well, I had a lot of fun at one point uh, doing a little kind of uh, Dharma tourism after having spent a long, long time speaking with Damaratta. I then, on his encouragement, went and checked out some other teachings and uh, read some some cool stuff from Zen and from the Tibetan stuff and just had this wonderful experience of seeing agreement everywhere of of you know cutting out the the chaff or the cultural yeah. stuff you know the baggage and just seeing okay yeah there it is again the finger pointing at the moon here's here's the Dharma okay there's all mm. this stuff that's been going on for hundreds of years around it cultural stuff you know i mean you look at the tibetan stuff and there's all this deity stuff going on and it's like gee i mean do i have to bring that along for for the ride no yeah yeah <laughs> it's just symbolic right and and actually what it's symbolic of is often wonderful and fascinating um so there's there's a lot of fun to be had um and it it it, it really felt like that like like dharma tourism like just going and seeing we were talking about physical travel earlier on kind of a similar flavor experiencing these different teachings and um, uh, do, do you know of anywhere like you can see like a long list of like i uh, probably wikipedia to be honest but um i was i was always been wondering if there's if anyone's compiled like a meta resource of like all the spiritual teachings just in one place mm. so someone could really like survey the because I'm always finding about new ones, like, like just randomly, like that I'd never heard of. I tell you where I, it's probably, yeah, I tell you where it's probably best for that is the stream entry subreddit. Yeah, cool, cool. Right, I'll because because people who find their way there tend to be dedicated practitioners. There's a good bullshit filter, and mm. so you'll you'll get a lot of practices in that melting pot, but they all tend to be worth their salt 
Very cool. Thank or, you. Yeah, or at the very least, someone is in a process of investigation about a given practice or teaching and is reporting on it. Oh, Dharma Seed. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Guys, listen, I'm sure we could go on all night. I'm going to go rest. Uh, of course, any of you who want to continue can continue. But for me, I'm ducking out and I'll see you all next week. Thanks, Dan. Really great to you. This is really great. Yeah, Dan. I'll see you when I go. See you guys. Have a nice nice Christmas, Rick. Hey, thanks so much. In Alabama. Happy Alabama, right? Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. (laughs) No one with those red hats. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. 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 See you guys. I'm going to go.